Episode 80. It's a tribute to one of my favorite people in the world, Vincent Edward Scully. Don't have to tell you who he is or what he did. Everybody knows who he was. I grew up listening to Vin in the summer, every summer, and he was essentially the soundtrack of summer. You knew the voice, and you knew it was baseball season. You knew it was Dodgers baseball. You knew the Dodgers were on. Every day in the summer, I'd be playing wiffle ball with my buddies, and Vin would be in the background calling play-by-play. One of the most classiest person in the world. There wasn't a time you can remember or mention anything negative towards Vin Scully. Always made you feel good. Always made you feel welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm pretending like I, I knew him um, or had multiple conversations with him. I didn't, but it felt like you knew him. He was your uncle, your grandfather. He, he would you just kind of sit there and, and he'd say, right, pull up a chair and enjoy this Tuesday afternoon with us or Tuesday evening with us or Sunday afternoon. And you'd pull up a chair and listen to Dodger baseball and his stories. And his stories were not just baseball. Sometimes they'd go outside of that. So at the end of this episode, I put a little tribute together of Vin and uh, some of my favorite calls of his and uh, a couple stories in there. I also have my buddy Misak, who's been on the show previously. I met Vin Scully one time and I was with him my buddy Misak, and um, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk to him. I also got Tim Cates, who does the pregame show at 570, and also Todd Lights, who is the public address announcer at Dodger Stadium. So awesome episode. Those guys are super cool, super cool to come on. I asked them, and right away they were they were both in. So it was cool to give them, give me their time. But uh, Vin was a, a man. I was I was weeping like a little baby. I couldn't. I mean, could I believe the news? Of course. But it was a day that you just dread. You know, the inevitable happens. You know what's going to happen, but it's just a dreadful moment, and it's one of those moments that you'll never forget where you were. I was I was watching the Dodger game. They were playing the Giants, and of course, he passes when they play the Giants. It was the last game he ever called. He grew up a Giants fan. I hate saying it. And I get a text and, man, yeah. I weeped the next day. I uh, I weeped on Friday <laughs> when they had a ceremony for him or a little tribute for him at the stadium. I, I couldn't make it. I, I don't know if I'd be able to even make it if I was there, honestly. And I'd probably embarrass whoever I was, whoever went with me that night. So... It was probably best that I watched it on TV, and I watched it on TV, and it, it's just he's a special, special man. Um, he is clear-cut by far by himself in his own category of play-by-play announcers. And I get into this with Tim Cates. Baseball is a very difficult sport to call because it's a slow-paced game. So you have a lot of dead time, and so you have to feel that dead time. And most guys have a partner with them in a booth or a second partner in the, in the booth with them. So they got two color commentators and they got themselves calling the game. And then most times you got somebody on the sideline near the dugout. Vin was by himself. I mean, he didn't even go to a person on the sideline. Let's go to blah. No. I mean, he did that in the World Series because it's a big stage. But calling Dodger games, he didn't have anybody like that. 
his prep was incredible. People do not realize that when you're doing that job at any sport, at any level, you don't show up at 6.30 for a 7.10 game. You're there at 3.34 o'clock, maybe earlier. You're in the locker room. You're trying to find stories. You're around the batting cage. You're trying to find stories. You're in the lunchroom trying to find stories. Vin did it by himself. <clears throat> he also called golf, the World Series, Super Bowls. He was a special guy. You know, he was going to call Monday Night Football, and ABC offered him the job, and Vin requested health insurance. And they said, oh, no, we're not, we don't, we're not going to offer you any health insurance. He said, oh, well, the Dodgers do, so I guess I'll just stay with the Dodgers and won't have to <laughs> do anything else outside the Dodgers, Dodger games. Imagine Monday Night Football. That was ABC at the time, which is now owned by ESPN or one of them. I don't know, one of them, Disney Networks, whatever they are. But health insurance, all the guy wanted was health insurance. And back then, health insurance, how much are you going to be paying for health insurance for a healthy 60-year-old? <laughs> a bunch of dumbasses. It had Vin calling Monday Night Football games, but they denied him because they wouldn't give him health insurance. I can go on forever, it's, but I'd probably bore most people because you've already heard the stories from everybody else. But let's go to my friend Misak, and let's talk about the experience when, uh, when we met him. Hello. How you doing, man? Pretty good. How you doing? Doing good. I was just talking about the time we met him. Was that, that was, in the, it was at the Pasadena Civic Center. I don't remember how much it was. But I remember that it was like a hundred dollars more to meet him. Dude, you had bought the ticket, so I don't remember the price. To be honest, I don't remember what I ate yesterday, dude. <laughs> um, but uh, you, it was like I think it, whatever it, it was like three, four hundred bucks. And if that, if that. So you you've done your section of the podcast. Now you're just talking about this part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went on, you know, seven minutes or whatever, and we're rolling, by the way. And um, it's like it gets kind of repetitive. You've everybody's heard everything. What I'm going to tell people is not, you know, anything they haven't right. heard already. They can hear my feelings and blah blah. They don't really care. But it was more about the experience. Tim Cates came on. Todd Lights came on. They were both amazing. And then you, I just wanted to just share that experience with you because the two of us, you know, we went and I, it's, it's one of those moments where at the time I looked at it and it was like, I, I swear it was like a hundred dollars, 150 bucks, something like that. Or if you do like a, not a meet and greet, but a meet, shake hands, picture, leave. Remember when he walked in and you sent me that video of him by the car and he was coming in and amazing yep. shape, perfect suit, like nothing ever I mean, perfectly iron suit always, always look good, always fresh, always clean, no matter where he was, anytime you saw him. And I remember him walking right by us in that long line, and the lady was saying, guys, just, you know, when you when you meet him, please just shake his hand, take a quick picture, and please move on. We got a long line, and we got to get to the Q&A with Tim Cates. 
And I, in my head, and I think I told you, I was like, like, that's going to happen, right? Like, you got to share something with the guy. And I remember, and I put right. the video up on my Instagram, and how are you? And I was like, oh, you have no idea. And he's, oh, gosh. <laughs> like, you know, he's making you feel so good. And then I told him afterwards, I was like, man, I said, you you had a huge impact on my life. You have no idea, but you did. And, oh, I'm glad to hear that. You know, he's like, all right, next, you know. But yeah. he just is one of those dudes, man, just made you always feel good. And, and both Tim Cates and Todd Lights, who have met him and worked with him and been around him, said the same thing. It was always about the person he's talking to. It was never about him. And a guy with that kind of stature, to have that type of personality and persona, and it's just, that's hard to come by. It's just hard to come by. He was kind of like a... I'm trying to think of like the word or compare. It's hard to compare to anybody. It's like a, like almost like a fictional character of sorts. Kind of like, you know, when, when you think of like, like a Santa Claus, you're just like this perfect like character and like all like just can't do wrong kind of thing. And it was like, yeah, it's like Vin, you know, it's like Holy grail of humans, you know, man, they really don't make it like that anymore. Just, Old school, raised right, raised by a single mother, actually. And it was just crazy. And he was Catholic, but he never, like, you know, shoved it down anybody's throat. But he had the best parts of it all. And it was just, it was surreal to meet him at the time. And then looking back on it now after all this, it's like, wow so glad we got that little chance to do it you know um, um people that you see here and hear stories of people running in, uh, into the like at the grocery store things like that the dry cleaner and it's like how funny and how awesome would that have been but the way we met him it was like a couple weeks before or after his birthday too um i have a picture in my phone of like a birthday cake they had for him at that event and it was like how cool was that you know and what one thing I remember that was back then it blew my mind five years ago and even now to try I can't even do it. He went an hour and he didn't take a break. I don't think I don't even remember him taking a sip of water. Yeah. No. Like you're I, talking about the Q and A there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. That, that was he crazy. was it's just a special human being, man. Like yeah, at, 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 there were points where it was like, is he even human? Did he ever do anything bad, anything wrong? I mean, how I how do you and oh. and by the way, you know, you hear more about like his like off the field kind of like the personal struggles and stuff with losing his child, losing a wife, and he was never ever ever bitter. He was never like he never let you never know it. He's like things drain him, change him. And it's like, who's like that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. A saint. And I was telling you the other day, he's a saint. Mm -hmm. they, they, they don't have people like that anymore. You know, lost his dad um, when he was four, lost his wife and then lost his son in a plane crash. Right. In and, his thirties. Yeah. And didn't skip a beat. Just kept going. And you know, there's like this, like, you know, lore to him where that people's like, Oh, Vin, Vin, Vin. But beyond the like fame and the popularity that he had of the persona, I, I think people truly, truly forget how good he was at his craft. Mm. And, you know, I, I studied broadcast journalism. I've done it. 
and he made it so easy. And I, I, I challenge anybody listening to this to, to just mute your TV and set your timer for three minutes. Try to tell the story and continue without panicking and blanking and saying um a thousand times. Yeah. The man was just, I, I don't want to you know overdo it and say like superhuman or anything like that, but he was truly a, a craftsman of broadcasting. And I think in the popular and the the history of his six seven years i think we lose sight of how good he was at his job what he was hired to do which was share the story and both tv and radio he was just a natural gift and it's so hard to do what he did let alone for 67 years so i think that's what i think people are forgetting is just do it for six years, you know, 67 Just is a whole it, different do it for game. Do it for six innings. Six innings. Yeah. Your back will go out by sitting for six innings. Yeah. And he trapped all those years. And a point I heard recently that was so funny to think, he goes, someone was saying, probably for the first 15 to 60, 50 to 60 years of Vin's career, there was no sideline reporter, pregame host, postgame. It was all Vin. He would be down there. He would be getting his data, his stats, his stories, and then he would be doing it all. There was no let's throw it down to mm-hmm. you know Michelle Tafoya on the side. It was just all him. So it's funny it's because nuts. I mentioned that a few times on this episode that people usually have a partner or two in the booth with a sideline reporter because baseball is right. a. T- I mean, best case, it's a three-hour game. You got a lot of dead air that you have to fill. You're fully aware of that. Right. And it's not easy. Baseball is not an easy sport to, to, to nope. call it a game, man. And this guy did it all by himself in the booth. I mean, what a role model. You you want to get into an industry. And by the way, there's thousands of people in the industry because of him. Oh, yeah. He definitely. made the industry cool. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if, if I know we're repeating a lot of what has been said in the last week, but to have in our childhood Vin, Chick, and Bob Miller, it's like it's hard to comprehend it because you have it. You can't think of it without our childhood and our life without them and their caliber of professionalism and journalism. But, man, we were really lucky. We were really, really lucky. Yeah, three of the best ever. Three of the right. best ever. Yeah. And and you feel for those who, who try to take over for those guys because as good as Joe Davis is, he's not Vin Scully. And he'll tell you that. He knows that. Everybody knows that. Yeah. You know? Anybody who works in this industry knows that. And he's not trying to be, you yeah. know? And, yeah. uh, man, it, it, what an incredible life. If only every human could be, like, their best or their fulfill that potential like Vin was, you know? I think this world would be a better place. But, um we were lucky to be a part of it, you know, and we got to meet him, which was many, many Angelinos now can't uh, regret not being able to meet him. And man, we, we knew this time would come, but we would, I remember you would tell me for years, like, I'm, I'm just not ready for that. And you would say, I'm always afraid to scroll Twitter and one day I'm going to see it and I'm going to be devastated. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. What'd you do with that picture? Did you blow that picture up of the two of you or no? 
I haven't, but it's been my Facebook profile picture ever since. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, name a better up. photo. I don't think I joked about it. Unfortunately, the day he passed, I reposted it. I said, I didn't smile this much on my wedding day. And huh. frankly, that's probably as accurate as ever. Um, Hopefully your wife doesn't wife follow you on Twitter. Yeah, my wife had a kick out of that, and she understands. You know, Vin's been in my life longer than she has, frankly. Hey, bros, bros over hoes, man. Hey, Vin was in my life for 36 years, and she's been in my life for seven or eight. So, um, you know, it's just pure uh, numbers right there. But, uh, I, I, you know, I got to blow it up. I want to, you know, share the stories to, to my son later on in life and, we were just lucky and so fortunate to experience a little bit of Vin, you know? Yep. So give me your Dodger Mount Rushmore. You get you get five. I know there's four, but you get five. Oof. Does this include Vin or, like, players? It could be anybody from the Dodger organization. Oh, okay. Well, you know, this will date me, uh, obviously, because most of your listeners are probably my age and older, but... When I think Dodgers, obviously there's Vin, there's Tommy. I can't believe in a couple of years we both lost Vin and Tommy. And I was lucky enough to, you know, be around Tommy a lot because of my job. And we can tell some stories about Tommy a little later that are X-rated, but it's got to be Vin. <laughs> you can't. You can't say. Hold on. Hold on. You can't. You can't say to X-rated Tommy Lasorda stories, and that's for a later date. People are going to think this guy snorted coke and had four hookers when you were around Tommy Lasorda. That, that's called a Tuesday in Tommy's world. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's you know, not true, people. Let's let's make this. No, uh, let's I, make make sure we. I, I can't vouch for the the drugs and the women, but he had a mouth like he would make a sailor look like the Pope. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, remember the Gibson's, and, uh, remember the Gibson, um, in Chicago yes, experience. Yes. Gibson Gosh. steakhouse in Chicago. He bulldozed through the crowd. Like he was Mr. Gibson and he just, whatever Tommy Lasorda thought, Tommy Lasorda said, he didn't care who was in front of him, who he was talking about. He was just of, of a different generation. And just the, the dichotomy between Tommy and Vin, like, one was a saint and one was a sinner. You know, there was just, but, you know, that's the beauty of the Dodger organization. They can have both those guys represent them and it would just, it worked. Yeah. It was crazy. Tommy was an ambassador for baseball, let alone the Dodgers. I mean, this guy right. was baseball. Right. Uh, and you USA, know what's cool is Tommy was Tommy and he was able to get away with it. That's what I love about those kind of people. <laughs> Right, like Barkley. Barkley's the same guy. Mike Tyson, same person. They're right. real. They don't care what you think. They're going to say it, and they're going to get away with it. So, right. okay, let's and get back they to They were beloved until their last breath. Yep, yep, exactly. Mount Rushmore is Vin, Tommy. You got three more. Um, Eric Karros. It wow. Just, when I think Dodgers of my youth, it just awesome. Karros comes to mind. Growing up, you'd never think anyone would be bigger than Piazza or – you know, it, it, but I really think Clayton Kershaw has to be mm -hmm. on that Mount Rushmore. Agree. In, you, you just cannot have it. And Hold then it it, there's so many other players to think of, but I'm going to tell I you gotta, one that you would pick, but you're not thinking about him right now. Um, Jeff Kent. No, <laughs> you got to think outside the box. Um, hold on. Now. Oh, don't say Ned Coletti. No, oh, I love Ned, but no, Mike uh, Brito. Hey. 
Oh man, like imagine so him on Mount Rushmore, like holding right cigar and the and the radar gun on Mount I'm Rushmore. Looking at my Dodger straw hat right now, it looks exactly like the hat you would wear. <laughs> I, how ironic you say that! Again, these cast of characters this franchise has had, like yeah. what? It's like a story, you know? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, put him on the Mount Rushmore, man. Incredible, incredible. Well, I'm, awesome, man. Good chatting about it, and I'm glad the Dodgers got to win one more title for Vin before he went off to Blue Heaven. That 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 gives me a lot of peace because after '88 and then the struggles from there on, you would have, you know, you would have hate for the story to end like that for Vin. Indeed, what a life! And you know, like he said, and we mentioned it on this pod, and you know, don't be sad that it's over. Be thankful that it happened. So that 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 was coming from Vin, and it's so true. Right, right, yeah. definitely. We're all better for having Vin in our lives. Anything else, Mace? Um, frankly, I want to go to a Dodger game now after all this talk. Uh, I know homestand coming up, but yeah. no, just good reminiscing about it, and I'm so glad uh, you invited me to that event years ago. All right, let's get to Todd Light's public address announcer for the Dodgers. They're going to go straight into Tim Cates. And then wait for my Mount Rushmore at the end when we close. Enjoy episode 80, Vin Scully Tribute. You did a really nice job yesterday at the ceremony. Well, I had a very, very small part, but I was honored and humbled to play it. And uh, it was a very nice tribute to Vin Scully, as he deserves, and uh, proud to be there. Yeah, it was nice for them to kick the Padres' ass that night, too. Yeah, that that was convenient that they came out and uh, opened up a can of (laughs) whoop-ass. I can say that on the podcast. Yes, you can. <laughs> How was the softball game this morning? Oh, it was good. We got we got thumped pretty good, but uh, yeah. you know, I, I got out there. I swung the back, got a couple of hits, made some plays in the outfield. Is that fast uh, pitch softball or underhand slow pitch? It's uh, it's fast pitch. Mm. So yeah, so it's not easy it's, to it's hit, fun. man. No, and you know it has its challenges. You yeah. have to be quick and short to the ball, and and you know there's stealing and bunting and uh, mm. and you know guys throwing back trying to pick guys off first base and stuff like that so it's it's uh it has a real feeling of baseball and the base paths are a little bit longer than normal softball or 70 feet so it's a good league that i've been playing in for more than 30 years now i've been on the same team for more than 30 years and i'm very proud to suit up every year and and still be able to play at my advanced age wow nicely done uh so where were you when you heard the news of uh vin i was home somebody texted me um Everybody knows that Vin was one of my idols, and I, I got a text and said uh, I heard Vinny passed away. So I did some looking, and you know, sure enough, uh, usually when the Dodgers are out of town, I, I don't generally watch the broadcasts. I, you know, I, I have to take a little break from baseball here and there, but yeah, I, I heard it, and then I turned on the broadcast, and I heard, uh, you know, confirmation, and I heard Rick, uh, you know, say Rick Monday did such a great job. Everybody at Sportsnet did such a wonderful job in holding it together and, and, and giving us the information and just very sad. But really, Mike, I mean, I tell you, you can't really feel too sad. I mean, it's a huge loss, right? We all feel like he was, he was part of our family, but you can't really feel too sad about a guy who lived a life like he did, made it to almost 95 years old, was universally beloved, was the greatest of all time at what he did. Now he's hopefully with his wife and, uh, it's almost like, well, this is the way of things, and there's something poignant and beautiful about it. And when somebody, when somebody does life so right, like Vinny did, 
you almost have to just salute him and, and just be grateful that he was here. Don't be sad that it's over. Be grateful that it happened. And I think that was a quote from Ben, actually. Yep, exactly. And you're so right. He did life right. Like, I, I don't yeah. think he's ever done a thing wrong. And and we said this prior that he just it felt like a guy who just never made mistakes. You know, no, and, and just sure kn- did. knew how to live and, and treated people right. And just, inc- just an incredible life and an incredible human being. I like to use the word grace. There's a couple different meanings of grace and he embodied all of them. He had a grace and an elegance and a humility um, about him that just made you, that just drew you in, made you feel good, made you feel special. And as a result, the, all the love poured back to him all the grace poured back to him, all the good fortune. His, his life played out like a, like a storybook. Tell me the first time you met him. Well, the first time I met him, I, I was singing the national anthem at Dodger Stadium. I, I, I sang it about a dozen times over the years uh, before I became the PA announcer. And uh, I was in the press box rehearsing with Nancy B. And you always get in there and there's all these hard-bitten newspaper reporters and stuff sitting in there and you're, you're belting out the song and they're probably getting annoyed because they're trying to meet a deadline or something, but you got to rehearse, you know? So I was in there uh, singing my heart out and working with Nancy B, the, the organist before Dear Rule. And I finished my thing and, and they were about to take me back down on the field. And I, I walked right into Vinny and he was, he was walking up and down the press box and he was humming the national anthem. Mm. He was like, and I was like, he must've heard me singing and just got the song in his head and he started humming it. I just felt like that was so cool. And I said, Mr. Scully, Hey, it's so nice to meet you. And he was, he was gracious and wonderful and, and just said, go get him, kid. You know? And, um, so that was the first time I met him, but the first time I met him as a PA announcer, and I love to tell the story because it's so Vin and I'm sure everybody's got a story like this. I met him my first day and walked into the press box who do I run into right away? But the, the one man that I really wanted to see, and that's Vince Scully. Boom, almost bumped right into him in, in the hallway there. And I said, oh, hey, Mr. Scully, hi, I'm, I'm Todd. And he goes, I know you, you're Todd, the new PA announcer. Good to meet you. And I'm like, I was so taken aback that he even knew who I was. And I said, well, uh, Mr. Scully, you've got any tips for me? He's like, nonsense, you got this. And in two sentences, the guy made me feel recognized, acknowledged, uh, encouraged, and part of the family. All in one, all in one brief encounter, and I was just so blown away by that that I immediately felt like, "Wow, I'm part of the Dodgers now. I can go out and do my job." And um, it just really felt great to have him be really one of the first people with the Dodgers organization who really just said, "Welcome aboard, Dodd." You know, and that was just great. Man. So that that to me was like. You know, what a what a great way to meet a colleague. And then from then on, you know, he treated me like a colleague. We, you know, we talk about what we were going to do during the off time. And, you know, we, we run into each other in the bathroom because broadcasters don't, don't get a lot of time to relieve ourselves. Mm-hmm. So he was just a he was just a great man. And I loved one thing that he that I remember him saying he would he would walk through and greet the uh, greet the scouts who were in the dining room and. And he'd come up and they'd ask, hey, how you doing, Vinny? And he'd say, well, I could complain, but complaining is for suckers. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really funny, too. It's like, you know, you can complain, you can bitch and moan, but nobody really cares. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just went through his life just happy, go lucky, and and always always with a smile on his face and always making people. 
people feel good. And um, I, I think that was one of his his true, true gifts. He had the best lines. And my favorite was he'd talk about a player and the player was injured and it was, well, he's day-to-day, aren't we all? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Aren't we all? Because yeah. every day is a blessing, man. You never know. Yeah. You know, we wake up to the news that uh, that one of the great ones is gone, and and it's a sad, sad occasion. But we we you know at Dodger Stadium, we tried to celebrate his life and really give him a tribute that that was befitting him and and not over the top because he was never ever over the top. He was never trying to draw attention to himself. He didn't really like the spotlight, but he was always gracious and shined in the spotlight when the when the moment was there. He always was ready for it, and and it's just. I think that's a great thing for any of us that does anything like like we're doing uh, to aspire to. Yeah, hell of a life lesson. Todd, and he always turned it on you. It was, hey, Mr. Scully, how are you? Oh, I'm good, but what about you? How's your father been? How, you know, he changes it. He changes the whole dynamic on you. You're like, what? This guy really cares about me. Yeah, yeah. Special. He made that an art form. Yeah. Um, how about a favorite call? Do you have a favorite call that uh, Vin had? I have to say that I, I, I think that one, one of the more memorable ones for me is I went to high school up in the Bay Area and I was a 49er fan. And they, they were just really bad when I first arrived uh, in, in the Bay Area. And then all of a sudden Joe Montana came along and all of a sudden they were vying with the Cowboys to get into the Super Bowl. And they made played an amazing NFC championship game, I believe it was 1981. And Vin was on the call when Dwight, Dwight Clark made the catch. Desperation throw by Joe Montana at the back of the end zone, the great Everson walls, the cornerback for the Cowboys just out of his reach. And, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, Dwight Clark leaps up and makes the catch right in the corner, right at the pylon, just, and, and, and Vin just called it so beautifully. But I think as far as baseball goes, uh, his call of, of Hank Aaron's, uh, 715th home run was, is, is a gem, uh, is, uh, is, is so brave in so many levels. And, you know, his, his by saying, you know, and a black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep South. Mm-hmm. And that just said so much about our society at the time and maybe still to this day. But Vin got it. He understood the, the larger context of, of of the games that we play and, and, and the moments that, that happen during those those very, very unscripted games that happen. And that's why that's why baseball that's why sport is. It's still the greatest reality TV because you just don't know what's going to happen. And he always seemed ready uh, to express what we were all feeling and, and, and explain it all to us and make it have some meaning. And I thought that Hank Aaron call was just, just very special. Well, that, and, and he let the crowd do most of the work too. He knew how good he was, but he said at eight years old, he heard the roar of the crowd and that gave him goosebumps, and he continued to do that throughout his career. A big call. Most of the time, guys are talking about it. They clinched the World Series. They clinched the pennant, and now they're going to go and play the blah, blah, blah. Then makes the call and lets the crowd do the work, it's, and it's beautiful. Yeah, he just lets the moment wash over you, and you feel like you're there, yeah. and he knows there's time to, to you know wrap it up afterwards, but let the moment happen, and he was yeah. so good at laying out when it counted. Yeah. Um, and that, that's another, that's just a sense of timing. It just, a, you know, he was a singer too. And, and so, you know, singers have a sense of, of, of rhythm and timing that, uh, that you just have innately and he had it. He really did. He's on your Dodger Mount Rushmore, right? Oh, hell yeah. He's right in the middle. I have one autograph 
in my collection and mm-hmm. it, it's a Vin Scully signed baseball. And, and Vin told Justin Turner one time, he says, if, if you're going to take the time to sign a baseball or something for, for a fan, make sure they can read your name, make sure it's mm-hmm. legible so that, you know, they know who signed it. You know, so many guys these mm-hmm. days, just it's a scratch off. So I heard that and I kind of take that to heart too. Believe it or not, a couple of people have asked me to sign things and baseball is a tough thing to sign. First mm-hmm. of all, very, um, yeah. but I always, I, you know, I have a signature that I've always used and, and I'm like, well, that's my signature. So, and it's, it's fairly legible. So, so Vin, I, I try to keep my, uh, my autograph, the, the very few autographs that anybody requests for me, I, I try to make them legible. Have you thought of the others on that Mount Rushmore? Well, let's see. You'd have to put uh, you'd have to put Jackie Robinson up there. You'd have to put Sandy Koufax up there. Uh, how many guys can I put up there? Five. <laughs> I mean, you know, normally it's four, right? Yeah, I'm so, giving you an extra because you know it's a okay, special day. Well, you know, I I gotta go. Jackie, Sandy, Vin, um, Clayton Kershaw has got to be up there. Mm-hmm. And then you know who else I put up there? I put up Gil Hodges. Mm. Yeah, big number fourteen. That's good. Just got into the, the Hall of Fame, um, and boy, did he deserve it! What an amazing life he lived! What an amazing person he was! They don't make him like that anymore, or I hope they do. But Gil Hodges was something else. I would have loved to have, have met him. He, it, we did a special on him when he was going to be inducted into the uh, the Hall of Fame, and I was just so blown away by the so much that I didn't know about this just giant of an American. He was just an amazing person and so rooted in his faith and doing the right thing. And, you know, these old fashioned concepts that that we might think are, are dated or, or, or out of touch or something, but man, Vinny came from that same place and he, he greatly admired Gil Hodges and Gil Hodges of course was a wonderful leader who never had to raise his fist or anything. People just knew that he meant business he was a war hero. He led the Mets, the Amazings, to the 1969 World Series title out of nowhere. I mean, it, it just so he has to be up there. And I know I'm leaving off some great players and stuff, but I think of guys that that are really on and off the field. And Vin, Sandy, Jackie, and Gil, and Kershaw. Yeah, good old Clayton. That's not a bad Mount Rushmore, man. It's not a bad one. Anything else you, you want to share, Todd, as we close? Well, um, it's just such an honor to be part of an organization that celebrates its history and what a great history and celebrates its great players and celebrates the, the traditions and the lineage and the heritage uh, that, that we have as the Dodgers. We are very, very lucky here in Los Angeles to have the kind of quality organization that the Dodgers are and the way they put a product on the field every year that just seems to be right there. Um, I've been the PA announcer for the Dodgers. This is now my eighth season. Every year we're right there. Every year it's, it's right up, right up to the end. And you can't really ask for anything more. It's just, it's, you know, socially, not only on the field, but, but socially as well with the Los Angeles Dodgers foundation and all the things the players do through JT's foundation and, and, and Kershaw's foundation, they do such great work. They're such a part of the community and, uh, I'm just proud to be a part of it. And I just hope we can keep it going. And I know we can because they've been doing it ever since, I don't know, 1896 or something. 
Dodgers is just a fantastic organization. I'm very proud of. How many times do you slap yourself and say, holy shit, I'm the PA announcer for the LA Dodgers? On nights like last night, you know, when when we do special recognitions and things for unveiling Jackie Robinson's or Sandy Koufax's statue, and I realized that, you know, there, there's, there haven't been that many PA announcers for the Los Angeles Dodgers over the years. So I'm part of a, a very small club. And, you know, I know people come to the ballpark and they don't really pay attention to what the PA announcers doing most of the time, but, um, I consider it a very important role and I consider it a, a, a part of the actual major league baseball game. It's, you know, you have to have a PA announcer to have a, an official game. You have to have umpires, you have to have official score and you have to have a PA announcer. And, um, so I take I take it very seriously, but I I don't have any illusions about the importance of what I do. But I, every once in a while, I I um I just have to say, man, how did I get this lucky to be able to do this and and uh, and keep doing it? So I hope to do it for many years to come. Well, you're really good at it, Todd, and you make it look really easy because I don't think you've ever made him. St- uh, you I think you made one, right? Didn't you say a name, somebody else's name, or something? Oh, I've, 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 yeah, I'm human, right? So yeah, yeah things happen. It's like, and you know, a lot of people don't realize all that that's going on up in Dodger Vision. Yeah. During, you know, you might only hear me talking, but there's 15 people talking at yeah. the same time. You know, saying, you know, cut to this, go to that, get, you know, it's like a, it's like a TV show being produced right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes there's distractions. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes you're just tired. I, I mean, this past month of July. Uh, was a brutal month for our crew and and for the Dodgers too. But we also had the All Star game to to produce, and we did an amazing job. But that was you know I'd love to say it was just a barrel of monkeys and a lot of fun, but it was a lot a lot of hard work and long hours. And right before it, we had an eleven game homestand, and right after it, we had an eight game homestand or something. And so you know we were just everybody and we, with COVID was swirling around and. Um, I, you know, I give big kudos to our executive producer, Greg Taylor, and uh, the, the senior uh, engineer, Tom Darren, who's the head of Dodger Vision, for really putting on an amazing, amazing event. And I think by all measures, uh, the all-star game at Dodger Stadium was a, a huge success. So, you know, hey, we get tired. We're human. Uh, guys make errors. PA announcers flub their lines sometimes, but uh, well, it's the thing you, you mentioned. Do the best they can. don't, they don't, they don't listen to you or they don't pay attention to you because you're doing things right, right? They're only going to pay attention to you when you do things wrong. Then, yeah, I guess then, so. Yeah, I guess so. you're going to get made fun of. Oh, he said, you know, Justin uh, Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't put that in my head. Next time <laughs> Justin Turner comes up, I'm going to say, "Now batting number ten, Justin Bieber." You know? <laughs> So hopefully I won't be doing that anytime soon. But uh, yeah, you know, mistakes will happen. But that's uh, that's all part of the game. It's a live thing. So yep. you know, you just you just keep going. You keep going and let Twitter make fun of you. So what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so one what? thing uh, Vin did. Nobody was negative towards Vin Scully on Twitter. I think he broke history. Yeah, yeah, and that's a testament to the kind of person he really was. And and you know, it's beautiful for those of you who never met Vin. He was everything in person. That he that you would imagine he was on the air, so he he was the same guy. It wasn't like he'd turn off the mic and, and start swearing at people or something like that. Not even. He was just the most gentle, elegant, wonderful, gracious, generous man. Just an amazing, amazing human. They don't really make him like that anymore. No, but we can all try. Yeah, we can strive, Mike. We Indeed. can try to to you know to be to be like Vin. 
I'm talking to a lot of friends. Was there a better person in the world than him? No. Seriously? No. That was nice to everybody. Whether he, you know, he meant it. I mean, obviously he meant it because the guy was pretty genuine. Always looked you in the eye. Always talked to you. Gave you the time. Felt like he was giving you that moment. Just you and him. Mm-hmm. You never, never like looking around. Never felt like he was uh, too big for the moment. It was pretty cool. It was always about the other person too, right? It wasn't like, yeah. it was like, hey, Vin, how are you? And then it's more like he turns the thing, hey, well, what about you? How are you doing? Tell me about your day. Yeah, you know? It's, exactly. Dude. Like, exactly. <laughs> the impact this guy made on millions is just incredible. And there's yeah. not a bad story about the guy. None. Yeah. You, you can't find one. Yeah. Not one. He would go meet uh, sponsors of the Dodgers. You know, every homestand he would do it. He'd go to a, a suite and, and meet and greet and take pictures with people who uh, are partners with the Dodgers on radio and TV or in stadium. And he would do that all the time. And people would come to his booth, and he always felt welcome coming to the booth. You know, they would certainly let, let you know that he was recording or doing something or prepping for a game and not available at a certain time. But if he was available, he would always say hello. And even just going from the press box to his car in the elevator – Always had a smile, walking with Sandy, waving and saying hi to people. I mean, if he would have stopped every single time, every single game, he'd never get out of there. He would have lived at Dodger Stadium for the amount of people that would want a picture or say hello or, you know, tell him a story or, or want an autograph. So he couldn't stop every time, you know, going to his car and to the press box. And But, man, he always made you feel like, hey, I saw him. He smiled at me. He waved at me. And, and that's what he did, as you mentioned, just kind of make you felt whether it was for a moment or a few minutes that you were the most important person. He looked you in the eye. He he gave you that moment, that 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 conversation, and you know, wanted to know how you were. You know, the little don't I'm fine. How are you? Oh, this is great. What are, you know, whatever you were there to talk to him about, or, or 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 whatever the reason you were there, he wanted to know about it. He was interested, and he wanted to learn more. And that was the thing is that you know you don't see that too often. A guy who's a a star like Vince Scully was, you know, very easily could have, oh, hi, how you doing? And, you know, looking around and wouldn't give you the time of the day. But for everybody that he came across, it didn't matter who you were, he made you feel like the most special person for that that one moment or those few minutes when you had that, that passing and that uh, that opportunity to meet him. You know what's cool? He lived the dream and he knew it. Yeah. Right. He took he it like he took he didn't take anything for granted. That's why you mentioned the smile on the face like he, he knows it. He's like, dude, I'm living the dream. Might as well enjoy every moment. Yeah. And he never made it about himself and he never got caught up in the moment and got caught up in himself. And, you know, very easily you see guys who are broadcasters and become celebrities and become known and. Uh, you know, people want their autograph because they're a TV broadcaster, a play-by-play guy on the radio or a studio analyst. And all of a sudden they get the biggest heads and it's all about them and they forget about people. And he, he was the complete opposite. He was the biggest, biggest face and most known person for the Dodgers for so many years. And you can put him up on that Mount Rushmore with Sandy Koufax and Drysdale and all the greats, you know. I mean, he, he, he connected generations, Mike. This is the guy who... When he tells you a story about Jackie Robinson, he's not reading it out of a book. He's not looking at a YouTube video. He lived and breathed these stories with Jackie Robinson, going ice skating with him during the offseason to, to do publicity for the Dodgers when they were in Brooklyn, being on the bus with P. Ree Reese. He did it, you know, traveling with Don Drysdale, being there for Koufax's perfect game. He called it, you know, for Fernando Mania. He was there. I mean, you go back to the O'Malley's and you go back to – 
the Dodgers in Brooklyn in the 50s and 60s, he was a part of it. And never, ever made a, I mean, when I say a mistake, you know, he'll get a name sometimes here or there, but like, do you know how difficult it is to call a baseball game by yourself? Most guys have a guy or two in a booth because there's a lot of airtime that you have to fill in a three, three and a half hour, four, four hour game sometimes. This guy did it by himself. And it was the three hour games. You, you hope that they were six hour games because he had the stories. And what about the stories yeah. that he told and the innings never ended? Which <laughs> mean, how about the baseball gods are like, no, no, we're going to make sure we, we get that yeah. story in here. You know, it's zero and two and here comes a foul ball. Here comes ball one, another foul ball. And like, how's he going to get this one in every time yeah. he got the story in? Yeah, it, it's crazy. I heard Bill Plasky tell the story that he, Vin told him that God invented the foul ball so he can continue his stories. <laughs> and it, it's it almost worked out that way almost every single time. And and you're right. You know, nowadays broadcasters, if you kind of peel back the curtain for people, you know, there's a lot of people that are propping up these broadcasters. Sure, they do a lot of the research and a lot of work, but there are people helping them do their depth charts and their boards and their preparation. And during games, you've got statisticians, and Vin did as well. Uh, and you got people there to kind of help you plug in information when needed during games. But the preparation that he did is like none other. And, and it wasn't just, as you mentioned, you know, baseball. It was telling stories. And to be able to tell a story, Mike, you know, you've got to live through things. You have to have experience. And that goes back to his experience being with the Dodgers during Jackie's time and the transition to L.A. in 1958. He can tell those stories, but he can also you know, talk poetry and he can also talk English literature. He can talk about history and socialism in Venezuela. And um, I mean, he could cross over and tell stories, whether they related to baseball or not, or most times they did, whether it was uh, Socrates Brito from the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, then that led him down a, a story about Socrates, the philosopher. I mean, he could do that. And only he could, could, could spin a player's name into Socrates and poetry and, being a philosopher and keep you keep you just at the edge of your seat wanting to hear about well what's he what is he talking how is he tying this in oh my god i didn't know this and you learned something that was the thing it wasn't just a, a robot telling you on a tv or radio broadcast what you're seeing or rattling off numbers or telling a story that wasn't his but somebody else's story and just regurgitating it all this was his information all this was his preparation that he put out there for the dodger fans do you remember the first time you met him? I do. I do. I remember meeting him and uh, being in awe and and looking at him and just, you know, introducing myself. And um, he, you know, just looked at you as like he cared and wanted to know more and, you know, welcome aboard because they were introducing me to him. I'd be doing the new the pregame show on the radio. And this is at the time we were doing the simulcast still. And the first three innings uh, was – of Vin was on radio and TV, and then he would split off and do uh, just TV, you know, innings four through nine, and it would be radio only with Rick and guys and, and Charlie. So, you know, it was like, this is Tim who's introducing. It was just an awe, an awe moment for me, you know, because Vin was like every, a lot of people get into radio and broadcasting, you know, wanted to be him. I wanted to do play by play when, when I was young and graduated from college. I, I went to the job fair. At the, uh, at the baseball winter meetings in 1999 and 2000 uh, in Anaheim and Dallas and looking for jobs for minor league play-by-play gigs and interviewing for the Williamsport Crosscutters and the Princeton Devil Rays in Princeton, West Virginia 
the uh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays at the time, short season A-ball team, and interview with Dave Fleming, who is now on ESPN uh, in the Giants broadcaster. He was the voice of the Visalia Oaks. Uh, I think it was in 2000 or 1999. He was a young guy out of Stanford at the time and just getting through minor league baseball calling games. And I interviewed with him to be his his guy to call three innings. I would call, you know, innings four, five, and six. And, you know, didn't get the job, but looking at, at the opportunities, was offered a job to go to Princeton, West Virginia, and decided at the time, you know, I don't know if I want to go down this road. I don't think it's it's – going to pan out it's so hard to get to the major leagues but he was a win was a reason i wanted to to tell stories you know my playing days obviously weren't going to lead to professional baseball uh by any means and so what's the next best thing talk about baseball and so who's the best storyteller who's the best talker well i got to listen to him every night here in la growing up and that of course is ben scully you know and, and that's that's who i wanted to be and and reason i wanted to get into play by play so it, it was to then have all that go through your mind and recall as you know, you're interviewed and doing this and that and trying to think if you want to go live in a small market and live off of hot dogs and sodas every day and a $15 meal per diem uh, in A-ball going through West Virginia and Tennessee in the hot, humid summers back in the late 90s, early 2000s. All that goes through your mind when you meet the guy and it's racing through your mind and you're kind of trying to listen to what he says. And, you know, you, you've got to that moment and all of a sudden you, you just your, your mind catches up. You're like, here I am in the moment. You know, I'm not doing play-by-play, but I'm literally on the same broadcast with Vince Scully. And then a few months later, when the media guide comes out for the Dodgers, and if you go, you know, back to like page 400 of the media guide in the very far back, they've got the team broadcasters. And then there's, you know, two, three pages for Vince Scully. And there's uh, Jaime Harin and Pepe Inez and Fernando Valenzuela or Charlie Steiner and Rick Monday. And then it starts getting into like John Hartung on Sportsnet LA, Ned Coletti, and it talks about, you know, the host of Lana Rizzo at the time. And then it gets to radio, and there's me and David Vasse, our pitchers, you know, it's AM57 LA Sports pre and post. It's like, my God, mm-hmm. there I am. I mean, I'm not on the same page as him, mm-hmm. but I'm in the back of the media guide. And there's Vince Scully a couple of pages in front. It's, it's a surreal moment. Good for you, man. Do you still have that media guide? I do. Nice. I do have that media guide, and I've, I, I keep. I, it's not. They don't. I mean, as you know, they don't. Yeah. Nothing gets published anymore. It's all digital now. So, like, I try to keep as many copies as I can if I can find them. If not, I got digital copies on a PDF just to, to have and just to to be able. I mean, I remember why. Like, I remember when where I was when the media guide came out. Somebody forwarded it to me and said, "Hey, check you out on page like whatever it was, four twenty six or something mm-hmm. like that," and. I was on a trip in Washington D.C. with my daughter at the time for her for her fifth grade, you know, Washington D.C. trip. I was one of the chaperones, and we're in Washington D.C. and I think we're like in Williamsburg, Virginia, going through like an old colonial place. And I'm reading the media guide and looking and like pointing to my wife and friends, like here I am, look at me. I'm like right, that's me. There's John Hartung. I'm like right there. And I'm like scrolling. There's Ben, you know, page four twenty two or whatever it was. Like I remember that to the day where I was when I saw myself in the media guide, uh, and and not to say. Uh, next event, but just to be in, in the same section of the media guide as Vince Scully. Especially growing up out here, born and raised out here, growing up being a Dodger fan. Dude, that's a treat. It's unreal. I mean, it's not like you're coming back as, you know, the pre and post game of the Kansas City Royals or you're the traveling reporter for the, uh, you know, the, the Minnesota Twins and coming into town for three games and getting a picture and, you know, never crossing paths with then again or, or never seeing them. 
but once or twice a year when you, you cross paths with the Dodgers to be able to to do the pregame show and say, you know, coming up with Vince Scully first pitch at seven ten, and to say that every day. And, and not only that, I, you know, I got to, to host a, a one-on-one panel with him um, the year after he retired and just during the 2020 season, during the pandemic year, Vin was a part of our radio broadcast because people wanted to, to reach out and find something that they were comfortable with and, and, and felt good about. And Vin was that, that voice. And so Vin, during our pandemic year 2020, um, Vin would come on once a homestand and would come on with me on the pregame show. And we would tape the interview, you know, just to make sure the time constraints worked out every time. And we'd sit down with him. He'd be on the phone, and I'd, we'd call him up and talk to him and ask him about what he thinks about the Dodgers and all oh, a big series against the Giants. What do, you, what do you remember about the Giants over the years? And he'd find stories that you never heard before. You know, he didn't regurgitate the, the ones that maybe you had heard or, or well-known then stories. And I remember talking to him. And this is, again, two years ago, 2020. He's 92 years old, probably at the time. And he, he says, hold on just a second, Tim, let me, let me find something. And he asked somebody who was with him to, to find a book. And it was a book of stats from, I don't know, like the 1950s or something. And he's looking through, he's like, hold on, I remember the name, I remember the name. Hold on, let me see what team he's running. He's like, ah, oh, I found it. Hold on, let me write it down. And he writes it down. And so we start talking and he, he says, like, oh, I remember. And then he gets into the story about this player he just looked up. But he remembered the name. He wanted to make sure he had the correct information. He didn't go on Google. You know, he didn't look it up through Wikipedia. He had these books and notes and, and, and remembers uh, and, and, you know, things that he uh, had jotted down over the years. And he went and found it and recalled that information and used it on our segment during that particular pregame show. That, that was Vin. That was the detail, even at the age of 92, uh, when I got to do those pregames uh, once a month during the pandemic year. Man, so special, dude. That guy, that guy, There's, it was like a family member that passed away when I heard the news. It hit me I mean, my, really hard. There, yeah. there, this, this is a guy who, who during our, our, our radiothon on AM570 LA Sports for the paralyzed veterans uh, and for, the, for those who need assistance when they come back and working with the Dream Center as well, we bring on folks to encourage the listeners and the fans to to donate, to be part of it, you know, to kind of push them and encourage them and to take that step and entice them with uh, tickets and, uh, and different things that they can get. And then when asked, can you be a part of it? It wasn't, ah, oh, what time? Yeah. I'm, uh, it was absolutely. You tell me when, and would want to come on and kick things off uh, with Rogan and Roddy or come on with Petro some money in the afternoon to kind of rally the troops again and get that momentum going. And he came on one of the first years and, and was talking about what the soldiers meant to him and what uh, those who make the sacrifice of their life for coming back wounded um, and having to live the rest of their lives uh, with that. And then he just made a donation himself, you know, and didn't ask him to do it, never pressured him to do it. It was just then to come on and kind of, spearhead and rallied the listeners he made his own donation and afterwards was so kind and i was talking to him off the air about it and lo and behold a few weeks later at the station i get an envelope and it's a letter and it's on his letterhead uh, cardstock and it's vin saying thank you so much again for having me on my pleasure to donate thank you again for thinking of me to be a part of your broadcast and it's like that's that's what he was about. You know, it wasn't about it. It wasn't about like, you look what I did. Look, you know, 
you know, you're welcome for this. It was just, hey, thank you for letting me be a part of this. It was my honor. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. You know, it's rare that you love strangers. I loved him. Like, I, 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 would, <laughs> I would stand in front of a train for him. And I didn't, yeah. he didn't know me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't truly know him. Well, you felt like you know him, you knew him, but he was just like, a, he was like a, your grandfather, your uncle. I just, I loved him. I loved him. I woke up the next day and, I, and it was like somebody really close passed away. You know, you get that feeling like an empty feeling, yeah. something big happened yesterday. And yeah. man, it was, it was not a good feeling. I mean, th- think about that. And think about how many, how many other people feel like that in the, the days afterwards. Uh, in hearing that he passed away and think about during his life dealing with that on a daily basis people who you affected so much and were a part of their lives and wanted to share that with you thank you uh you you helped me get through this uh you you connected me and my dad and um if it wasn't for you i would never love baseball i mean everybody's got that and they all want to share it with him and to think he dealt with that every day and very easily he could have been like you know what i love i appreciate it but I can't hear it anymore. You know, this is, I hear it every day. Everybody's thankful. Yeah. Everybody wants, but no, he didn't. He looked you in the eye. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's great. You know, how's your, how's your dad doing now? Did he recover? Oh, bless you. I'm so thankful that he was able to get you through that. You know, we all love baseball. He connected with you. He never, he never shied away from that. He never tried to hide. He tried, he never tried to big time anybody. And again, just, I mean, think about you. Think about the millions who also feel that yeah. way. And to go back to when he had to deal with just getting to the elevator or just living his day with going to Costco that he would go to every week with his wife to go shopping. And imagine being him trying to just to go try to buy milk and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you're going to go buy out at Costco, you know, big job of peanut butter uh, <laughs> uh, pretzels. And he's got to deal with not one, not two, but like everybody coming up to him. Can I get a picture? Thank you so much. I mean, he just it never he, he never complained about it. Right. Yeah. He never. He never said anything about it. That's just the kind of guy he was. And you don't see that anymore. I mean, I'm like, there, there's people that, that get such big heads and get so uh, above everybody else in their minds that they don't give people the time of day. And, you know, oh, sorry, I can't do that right now. Maybe next time. Uh, you know, I'm in a rush. Sorry, guys. I don't have time. He always had time. What about the time he was at Costco and he lost his World Series ring? You remember that? <laughs> remember that? Remember, like, so the... Remember, like the 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 police uh, flash that went out that was like help him find it. I remember getting the the call and then the email from the Dodgers PR saying help us put the uh, put the notice out there. And what it was found like a couple hours later, yeah. right? somebody had picked it up and yeah. and returned it to him. I mean, yeah. think about that being the person who found that, you know, and then giving it back. That just shows you what the kind of people are. I mean, I'd, that happened a few years ago, and I'd like to think, Mike, that living in 2022, that it would still happen that way. The outcome, and then we get his ring back. But uh, you know, who knows? But it's that was that was a that was a fun a fun afternoon for a few hours. Yeah. They have all of a sudden California, in particular the area out where Vin lived. Everybody just imagine people on their hands and knees inside Costco trying to find that World <laughs> Series ring. Yeah, and you've been into you've been to some funky places when you get some big news, man. You're in uh, where were you? Vermont when you you got the media guide uh, story and then taking out the trash when you heard about Vin. You got to be careful where you're at, man. I know, I know. I get these big moments and um, found out the other night when he had passed away, I, I was literally listening to the game at home and getting ready for stuff for the next day and realized the next day was trash day. So I had to take the trash cans out. And in the two minutes that I was outside, uh, the news came down and 
my wife came out and told me and, and then came back and I was listening to uh, Rick and Tim Neverett on, on the radio and Rick, Rick Monday did a fantastic job. I mean, right. if anybody can go back and listen, it's all over social media. Uh, and to think about it, when, when Don Drysdale passed away back in 1993, uh, I know a lot of people are maybe too young and remember that, but when he passed away in his hotel room in Montreal in 1993, Vin had found out, but they had not notified his family, yet, Don Drysdale's family. So they, he had to keep it under wraps for a few innings until he can officially announce it. And the videos out there on YouTube were, Vin on TV makes the announcement, uh, as he so eloquently did, um, about Don Drysdale passing away. And I, I still remember that. I remember it vividly, like what happened, you know, and then to hear of Rick Monday the other night, come on the radio and almost in the same tone, the same delivery, um, kind of the same cadence and same words, very similar words describing Vin Scully passing away. It, it very much felt like that day all over again where Vin is telling you about Don Drysdale passing away or Vin was on the air when John Wooden passed away um, several years back and, and describing that and talking about when Tony Gwynn passed away and Vin was there for that moment where uh, 9-11 the week after and they bring back baseball and Vin does that great opening segment on TV and radio and on the jumbo trying to dodge stadium for the fans talking about how they need to be united and come back together and this will make us stronger I mean he was the voice of, you know, reason. He was the voice of uh, making things just feel better. And it was kind of cool to hear Rick Monday uh, do that for Vin and for Dodger fans uh, when, when we found out the news that he had passed away. Yeah, Rick's another guy I can sit there and listen to for hours. Great storyteller, great voice, calls yeah. great games, takes you back to when you were a kid. Uh, yeah, he broke down on that broadcast when he was talking about it. It was, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you think about all the times they spend together. I mean, you know, I, I do the pre- and post-game show. I'm out there every night. These, there's a group that have been there forever. I mean, you can think of Ross Porter, 28 years, was with Vivin Scully. And you're with, you're with them, not just next to each other in a, a radio and TV booth. You're with each other on the plane, on the buses, the travel, the home games, uh, the getting to the stadium at, you know, three and a half hours before first pitch. That's when people don't realize they don't just show up at 630 and get ready for a 7-10 game. They're there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon preparing. Oftentimes, the, the first media people to show up are the play-by-play broadcasters and analysts, and they're in their booth together. and uh, They eat together, you know, two hours before game time. So they spend a lot of time with each other. You think about the time baseball players spend with each other, the coaching staffs, and are around each other more than their own families. You know, the broadcasters are sort of their own kind of tight-knit families, English and, and Spanish. I mean, Pepe Hines and, and Jaime Harin and then their producers and their engineer, English radio, uh, TV as well for Sportsnet LA. They're all a group. They all travel together on the flight. They're bunched together the same planets on the plane. So uh, they're, they're in essence sort of a family for the, that season. And to be a part of a broadcast with Vin, like Ross Porter was for so many years, and Jerry Doggett and Rick Monday and Charlie Steiner, I mean, you're you you're really tight. You're in that inner circle with those guys, so I can see where it hit hit Rick really hard. Good stuff, Tim. Appreciate you, man. Anything else you want to add? No, I, I just think it's 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 great, and I, I think in the, in, the, in the time we live now, and so much negativity, and so much hatred, and so much you all, you're on this side, and I'm on this side, and we can't get along, and uh, you're I'm right, you're wrong, and just the, the, the stupidness of what's happening out there right now. Vin and only his way, his his death, can bring everybody together, you know, and, and make you know things feel okay for for a few hours or a few days, and you know, go on social media and it's a cesspool of 
negativity and, and hatred and finger pointing and, and to see positive stories and pictures and people reminiscing and people liking those reminiscences and commenting in a positive way. It's like only Vin could do it. Vin can bring people together after a, a bombing of our country. Vin can bring people together after uh, tragedies um, like the, the passing of Don Drysdale and, and John Wooden and Tony Gwynn over the years, like he did on the broadcast and, and Vin's death, you know, what a life he lived 94 years old, but in his death, still bringing people together. And, and hopefully it sticks around for a little while. Hopefully uh, people don't just revert back to being as negative as they were and hateful as they were. And, you know, maybe this sticks for a while and, you know, uh, you know that, that's just Vin. And Vin, even in his death, is able to to bring people together and at least for, again, for a while, uh, make things feel peaceful. Man, that was a great episode. I'm happy to do this with those guys, especially. Vin was cool. Vin was a special, special guy. One of those you'll never forget. Legacies are when you're here and when you're gone, but it's pretty pretty good when you can touch lives when you're no longer here physically. And that, I think, is a big deal. It means that you've touched a lot of lives, and that's what Vin has done. A lot of people have done that. Vin is right in front of the line. My Mount Rushmore starts with Jackie Robinson because that guy was a pioneer for Major League Baseball and the Dodgers. Sandy Koufax is on Mount Rushmore as well. Big person, big deal, bunch of records, good guy. You think Dodger baseball, Sandy Koufax comes to mind. Tommy Lasorda is number three. Not much you got to say about him. Clayton Kershaw, like Misak said, has to be on that Mount Rushmore. And of course, Vin Scully on Dodger Mount Rushmore. I'm giving you five, so you can probably go on and on, but uh, those five are pretty pretty special human beings, and they've done some serious stuff for Dodger organization and franchise. Well, that's it for me. This was episode 80, Vin Scully tribute. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. It means so much. Until next time, folks, I am Mike Gabriel. This is Mike the Pod. No wasted days. Let's go. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. Two and two to Harvey Keen. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung on and missed the perfect game. The final curtain. And a drive to center. Going back is Cameron to the track at the wall. And gone. So Jeff Kent comes up with a home run, leading off the ninth. His fourth hit of the game. And another drive to deep right center, and that is gone. Whoa, was that hit? So now it is 9-7. Here's a go. Drive into left center by Martin. That ball is carrying into the seats. Three straight home runs. Another drive into high right center at the wall, running and watching it go out, believe it or not.
four consecutive home runs. fly ball to left field it is a way out and gone the Dodgers win it 11 to 10 oh, unbelievable along the byway to Fernando ready in the strike two pitch is hit back to the box, dribbling to second. Samuel on the bag, close to first double play. Fernando Valenzuela has pitched a no hitter at 10:17 in the evening of June the 29th, 1990. If you have a sombrero, throw it to the sky. Socialism failing to work as it always does. This time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chop. Hello. Anyway, Owen to. The outfield is shallow, the infield is up. Finley today is one for four. Franklin set, Wayne ready and deal, swung on, high fly ball to deep right field, wherever it goes, the Dodgers have won, and it's a grand slam home run. Three and two to Tony Phillips, Lansford down the line from third with two out, Steinbach on deck, five two Dodgers in the ninth. The 1969 Mets. It's the impossible dream revisited. And look who's coming up. The game right now is at the plate. Yes, it was my way. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now, all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song, and an answer for each prayer. 
you and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.